0: tuning in for episode 11 of the reenactors ramble wherever you are in the world. Today we're going to flip the conversation a little and explore the world of reenacting from a very different perspective. In today's episode, Andy and I are going to be discussing our from the view of manufacturers and reproductive uniforms, equipment and more. We're very happy to be joined by Gary and Sophie from Old Time Design Company this evening. How are you both doing?
1: Very good, thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: Good, no problem. Our pleasure. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Any market garden celebrations or focuses this week at all?
1: Oh, why well, why would you say that? <laughs> 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 yes, we've done a um uh, a photo study actually recently. Um, so that's all online and um and of course not forgetting the 80th anniversary of the Battle of Britain. So it's been a really, really busy week. Um, as well as obviously last week as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, also I saw the photo study. The photo studies are really good. Um, a little bit of a different thing to any other sort of uh, suppliers or manufacturers out there as well. So that's a, a bit of a, a niche thing as well. And um, how's yep. the business <laughs> been throughout? Um, you know, we've had the, the dreaded COVID. How's the business been? You guys all sort of managed to, to muddle through, okay?
2: Yes, yeah, uh, been ex- well, very busy actually, which is a nice surprise. But uh, just taking everything in a stride, and uh, can't wait to be back at the shows. But obviously, people are busy. Uh, and it's keeping us busy, luckily, so uh, I can't complain.
0: So obviously, you guys have got a unique perspective as uh, as, as reenactors and very experienced and knowledgeable reenactors, but also as uh, as business owners as well. So, how long have you both been reenacting for? Uh,
2: I started really properly in around 1998. Um, I've been a collector since around 1993, but I'd say living history wise, I was 14 at the time. So I was luckily I'm people that know me I'm quite tall, so I could pass as a little bit older. Uh, but so yeah, really nineteen ninety eight, so I was getting on for twenty two years ago now.
3: So Gary, I just want to ask you, um you've been covering a whole variety of different impressions over the time. So what kind of impressions did you start with?
2: Uh first and first and foremost really my main interest has always been British airborne and I've now come back to that. It's it's an interest that just keeps coming back and I've I've done other stuff as you know in between, but Royal Air Force, Farmer Command um, and the British Airborne side of my main interest. Uh, I've also done American, um, Great War, British Infantry. I think anything that really ticks my boxes I'll try, but it's always the British Airborne and the RAF that I come back to. Uh, and anything that the British soldier was involved in, really, between 1914 and 1960, really, but ma- mainly British Airborne and, and operation
1: market garden really well i was uh 15 um when i uh discovered this really weird world um and um i'm 33 now so it's 18 or so years which is it's scary when you think oh, that's more than my <laughs> half my life <laughs> um and i think for myself um my i say my initial interest was uh, mostly actually i think my main interest initially was american and uh, it was just happened to be the group that i discovered and who took me in uh they they did uh, british british army so i was asked to sort of tag along and try and fit in with what they were doing uh they're an artillery group they used a um effectively a 25 pound own limbering gun um and and put on displays that way so, so I sort of fit in with um, the ATS, which is oh, the, the Auxiliary Territorial Service, which is the Women's Army. Um, but very quickly, within a year or so, I sort of really picked up and uh, uh, started to to collect WAF, um, so the Women's Auxiliary Air Force. Um, dabbled a little in, in RENs, so the uh, Women's Royal Naval Service. Um, then American, did a bit of American, Um Collected a bit of webbing along the way, got a bit obsessed about mess tins at some stage in my life. Um, <laughs> soon got yeah. over that, uh, and um, yeah, and then uh, really, uh, I've you know sort of really stuck at the the WAF side of things. Um, tried you know tried land army, women's land army, but it never really struck a chord with me, which is ironic considering my great aunt was a was a land girl. So, um, but yeah, so it, uh, I think we've both. We both actually have quite a keen interest in, in the RAF, um, which, um, actually that's how, how we probably met. Um, uh, but we, we obviously did a lot of, um, army portrayals together as well. So, uh, so yeah, so quite, quite a varied, varied history.
0: No stone left unturned. <laughs> yeah.
3: So uh, kind of what stage did you realize in your reenactment career? You know what? We could do something with this, you know, and obviously start doing the old time design as we know it now. Which comes to the question, or do you want to tell the uh, the viewers out there what is it you actually do?
2: I suppose, really, as as living history goes, you often get asked to make something, or it's a lot, a lot of times based on your actual day job. Uh, I've, I've come from the sign writing and screen print background, which has obviously enabled me to. Move forward with the business, and but before I had the business, I was making stuff for people. And obviously, you, you're good at making something, somebody your friends wanting to make it for them, and then they talk to somebody else. Before you know it, you're being quite busy alongside a day job. Um, but it took me a long time to, to realize that there was well, having the opportunity to start the business is another thing, it's it takes when you're young and just left school or college you can't just go start a business and it's also learning the learning the skills of the trade. that's something I could, couldn't do what I do today without having 15-20 years in that background uh, yeah. which has enabled, enabled me now to go out and actually say well I can make this um, and that's all from the skills that I've picked up from that and learning off other people in the hobby as well of course there's, there's lots of like-minded people that are very hands on and are good at making things and you do bounce off each other which is very helpful. Um, I mean, Obviously as you know we started off really with the, the printed badge side, uh, back to the 70th anniversary of the um, liberation of the Channel Islands, uh, I was asked to do all the insignia for that and um, that really kick started the business to be fair and then a year later we went full time self employed doing that. Um, and since then, we then managed nice to perfect that, and then expand and expand the business year by year into different products. Really,
1: I think he's also missing out. Is that uh, he had a very strong, uh, determined young lady um, started uh, <laughs> behind him and said, "You ought to do this for for a living, Gary." Um, and uh, <laughs> so, and that yeah. actually, um, w- we started uh, a, a another company. Uh, called Ministry of Mugs, which some people will, will remember, um, and that was uh, a week after we started going out. Um, so, so we had we had plans, <laughs> Well, I had plans anyway, um, and uh, and that's where um, old time design came in. Um, so, um, and as Gary said, you know, we had some really lucky breaks. We had a you know wonderful um, support from within the hobby, um, which. Um, uh, allowed us to you know get good at something then move on to something else and expand that and then expand um into into other areas which is what we're we're continuing to do now um so
0: oh well, wow. online presence for you guys always seems to have been a a really strong point as far as i can remember in the hobby you've probably been one mm. of the first companies out there to sort of really push that when you started all time design was there much of a sort of an online presence around there or was it very much focused around sort of trade shows
1: i think in, in terms of online i mean we've always had a website we've always um, had had an online presence um it was our shop window ready because we didn't have a store or or anything like that and of course we, we were both working full-time in, in other professions so a trade show for us was uh, a really tricky you know very time consuming thing it was exhausting as well it, it they do take a lot out of you and of course we actually had our hobby uh, as well so any free weekend that we were going to go to an event um we chose to to display I- instead um so yes yeah, so i i mean the, the the value of going to a trade show though i mean obviously we've uh, we've felt the <laughs> that the lack of them this year um, and I think everyone has a greater appreciation for, you know, not just being able to buy something there and then, but it's also, you know, about having to have, uh, have that interaction um, and speak to our customers and our customers speak to us, um, and get to know us a little more and, you know, have a look at the actual items, um, handle them and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of value there and, um. Um, but for us we are you are right by by saying you know we we really push the online presence um and we started um you know sort of really pushing um our posts on instagram and and facebook and, and even twitter um uh last year properly um so and that's something i I managed that side, so Gary can just focus on the getting the getting the stuff right
0: you mentioned there the balance of sort of the hobby versus sort of your, your living in your trade. And that must be really you know, difficult and challenging for a number of reasons, probably in that, like you mentioned the actual time focus of which events are a hobby and you attend as a reenactor and which events you attend as a, you know, as a business. And I guess alongside that, how you inevitably treat probably a lot of friends and, uh, you know, people in the hobby that are also customers. So that must be quite a, a difficult um, balance to maintain. <laughs>
1: it is. Yeah, it is definitely yeah. um, a tricky balance i think my my advantage everyone thinks that they're talking to gary uh online so uh w- you know I, I just pretend i'm gary and uh, everyone likes gary so <laughs> um <laughs> so i get away with a lot poor gary gets uh, gets it in the neck and, um but, um but yeah it's um yeah i mean obviously we know a lot of people um but at the same time because we are online um uh, and because the 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 hobby is so um global now um you know that there's a really big um re-enactive following in in Japan um wow. obviously yeah would you believe it in um in America it's obviously very big um they're different you know they they take a different shape to to our events in the UK uh, of course Europe you know the Netherlands Belgium uh France um they all have their own own hobby uh, and and it's slightly different um but we we appeal to all of those so there's so many people um that we don't know and um, that we've never heard of and
2: um i'd say our customer base really at the moment is probably 40 60 with 60 be sixty percent being overseas customers which is a great thing to think of really and obviously they wouldn't be able to come to a lot of the trade shows um, so it opens it up to the, the bigger market really as well
3: at the start, obviously, Gary, you were doing all the screen printing and the uh, manufacture of this. Has things um, altered in any capacity? Have you had to source externally at the quality that you expect?
2: I'm looking really anything that I, I I a lot of the badges and things I make in house, but the uh, the large screen printing runs like some of the tins and things that I do. I get those screen printed where I, I worked there for over ten years, so I can trust that they're going to do the job that I want. Uh, they, know, they know my standards and they know that if they don't get it right they'll be going back um, so I'm lucky really to have a connection locally as well with different manufacturers that I've worked with professionally as well for probably getting on for 15 years now so it, it's they know, they know the standards that I'm up for and it, we, it's easy to work with them as well because I've, I've done it for many years really.
3: Yeah well in the past in my previous incarnation I've done screen printing and when I ordered some of your um, work and I received it in the post I realised, you know, whoever's making this who seriously knows their game because the quality was such a high standard
2: yeah, I mean, the, Thank
1: you the, the screen
2: printers <laughs> that I worked for for many years, they're probably one of the best in the game in in this area um, they've got probably 50-60 years experience between them um, I was never a screen printer as such, I was more in the design side and the uh, marketing and that kind of thing, so it's nice to know that I'm still working with people that I was working back with before I had the business. They was doing stuff for me um, and enabling me to provide provide basic quality work before I had the business. And it's nice to reward those by still using them if that makes
3: sense. And um, um, in terms of the the life the product life cycle uh, from the uh, the offset of doing the research and then getting it out to actual final production. I mean, what is the actual duration of that, and what kind of research do you have to do?
2: I think research is the key, really. Before we start any project, is research, research, research. And if, if you can't get it right, there's no point moving further forward with it. So I guess after researching the fine details, then you need to look at the, the manufacturing process, so getting the raw materials, um, the inks, the fonts right, um, cloth if it's a garment, uh, we try and use what was used originally, so 100% cotton, wool. Um, if they're not available, then you've got to look at can this be made, or can we get a substitute that's as close as possible to what we're trying to achieve. And if you can't get it 99% correct, we, we just won't do it, um, because our customers expect, well, more or less perfection from us, so... That's what we try and aim for. And it's it, basically I like to base we've both got very high standards in the hobby. Um if, if it's something I wouldn't use myself, I'm not happy to sell
0: it, basically. You touched on a really interesting point there, Gary, mentioning how um your customers expect sort of perfection these days. And that that's something that I found in the hobby. Um, especially with serious reenactors with, with reproduction these days. Um, you know, the the British battle dresses uh an often debated topic around reproduction suppliers oh, yeah. and go there. you know <laughs> yeah you know a lot of this sort of stuff so it's it's obviously quite difficult just to sort of get right and i couldn't imagine where you would even start um trying to find the, the right sort of material. yeah i
2: think the hobby has definitely changed though i mean back when i started there wasn't anybody making british uniforms at all um originals were out there but we was starting to dry up obviously the bigger sizes people were converting um Probably around 2001 that the first reproduction battle dresses really came out. Then, in fairness, some of them were not very good at all. But, it but bat- yeah, the resemblance but was, was probably very small. But they was the best. <laughs> they was the only one you could get. And then it's it's from then that people have realised that there is a need for reproductions. The, the original stuff is obviously getting well, getting very old, or people want a bit bigger size, or. People, I think the hobby is changing. The fact that people are using the kit more, rather than just standing around looking nice at a show, people are actually going and doing field experiences and Definitely. things like that. It's gone. It's gone away from the battle of reenactment to the actual hands-on living history experience, whether it be in front of the public or in a, a private event. And I think for a private event, the accuracy has got to be there just as much as it would be at a public show these days. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's different levels of living history and reenactment. There's still the this will do um, right way up to the it hundred percent
0: accurate, really. Definitely, and you touched on the the demand and the the need for a product there, Gary. So how do you guys, um, I guess, analyze that that need or the demand in the market to make sure that, uh, I guess, ultimately that you know the the products are there to make a profit. So how do you go about sort of finding what products are out there or there is a requirement for those products?
1: Well, I think. Um I mean, ultimately, that there, there's we're not creating anything new. I think that's the the first thing. So, unlike the my other business, you know, where where it's stylized and inspired by original pieces, um, it's a very different ball game with reproducing um, items that existed back then. So we're lucky we've got a kit list um, that uh, w- we know that mm-hmm. predominantly everyone would have been issued. Uh, in in the British Army, so um we we obviously have our wish list um as well and um we've we've marked off what we can't do um at, at this time you know what what isn't possible for various reasons um and then the other thing as as well is we don't want to step on any toes you know if there's already a good reproduction out there there's very very little point as competing against. The, the the one that's established and, and respected um and of course you know it's such a small hobby um you don't really want to upset anyone in that way either <laughs> so um so that you know that that's that normally um is, is our initial you know sort of process of right what 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 are we going to start with and, and and what route are we going to do and then of course you know it goes down that the the process of um figuring out you know almost um reversing uh, reverse engineering that the item and seeing you know what what elements um the either the the garment or the box or whatever it might be that that we've chosen to reproduce how do we go about that well can we can we get those materials can we um, accurately print can we do um you know can we match the material can we get the colors right all of that um but i think ultimately as well i mean gary's touched on it with you know, having having things readily available in the hobby, it needs to be uh, viable commercially as well, uh, not just for us, but yeah, you because know, anything's possible to make. Um, but it needs to have a, a realistic price tag um, on it. You know, for 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 people joining the hobby, um, as well as obviously those who are perhaps replacing. Um, an, an already existing item or upgrading or whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, the, the, the idea is really to to say to people, you don't have to buy cheap um, items because of your budget and then get the lesser item. You know, it, it should be quality throughout um, and readily available to everyone, you know, everyone of, a, of any budget. And there's so many young people coming into, sound like a grandma now, you know, in my thirties, but there are a lot of, <laughs> um, you know, I uh, I was fifteen once, and I didn't have a job and and all of that, and and there was uh, and Gary, I'm sure, is the same. We had a lot of wonderful mentors who supported us and helped us, and we were just lucky that they said, "Oh, I've got some original items you can have, or I'll let you, you know, have have for less." Um, that's fewer and far between now. So what we try to do is is encourage people to come to us because we're reasonably priced as well.
3: What do you think your personal inventory of original items is at this current time? Because obviously you're making reproductions based <laughs> on the original stuff. You must have a hell of a collection.
1: Um right. Um how ma- how many items do you think we have?
2: Too much, you'd probably tell me.
1: In in our house <laughs> and then your parents' house, and then <laughs> friends' houses and garages, and yes.
3: <laughs> I suppose Sophie, it's quite useful being in the hobby as well. So we've got a lot of contacts and friends who have the items that maybe we can't source at uh, any given time, really.
1: Yeah, d- definitely. And you know, we, we've got some well, some of our our closest friends and you know, best friends are uh, are also in the hobby. And um, you no, know, not only do they help us with the as you're right, you know, if we don't have an item. Uh, some of them are more than happy to to lend um, or let us take dimensions or whatever it might be, um, and we've had so much help o- over the years. And um, you know, and ultimately, I think that's the thing: is the hobby is it can only improve with, with everyone's involvement. Um, and um, you know, if if we can't produce something um, because we haven't got access to the original thing, uh, there's a lot of companies that probably won't do it. Or if they do do it, they won't do it right because they won't have access to it.
2: Guess what it's meant to look like, rather than actually copying something from the original. So,
1: and ultimately, there'll never be a you know nice reproduction available if there's some kind-hearted people that say, well, actually, yes, I can lend you my uh, well, uh, our commando berets that, that we had reproduced, um, Matching that colour. Um, you know, the the, oh, the debate that it would have ensued, um, you know, to get the right green, for instance. Yeah. Um, all, all we did was, uh, we well, we're lucky, we don't have one ourselves. We asked a friend. We said, yeah, I've got a, a, a mint unissued one. Here you go. <laughs> um, and then uh, that was matched. So it was a really simple step um, to get that sorted. Um, and now everyone can benefit from that.
0: Yeah. I really admire the... Uh, the lengths that you guys go to for for accuracy as well. I'm not not just saying that because you you guys are on the podcast, but I think everybody in our group, especially since uh, moving towards the British side of things is, um, you know, the the first thing that we sort of say is to to go to all time because of the quality there and for getting it right first time. And I think you'll find, um, you know, if you listen to some of the previous episodes, we've we've touched on a couple of suppliers not by name that have fell down in certain areas. And um, I think those companies are willing to put, you know, Mass quantities and, and probably a higher profit margin ahead of the passion and dedication that it takes to get it right. Um, and I think it takes some admiration to sort of stand up to the, I guess the uh, what might be the trend in in certain um, large scale supplies, and to say, do you know what, no, we're going to do this right, and we're going to do it with our own values um, as well. And in order to sort of enhance and retain your reputation,
3: Richie. But do you think that it actually helps that the supplier is also in the hobby and a personal interest?
0: Well, that's probably a good question for Sophie and Gary to answer. I think. There we go. <laughs> um,
1: I, I think it's it's not uh, absolutely necessary to be a reenactor um, to to be a, a manufacturer of of whatever the the item is that that, you, that you've chosen. Um, what is, I think, is uh, to be a collector um, and to have the. I say the perseverance, the you know the, the actual interest in researching something to make sure that it's right. so as Gary touched on earlier, you know, it's absolutely you know we don't we don't start anything before we we've researched it. Um, and um you know I mean our, our collection is great. it's fantastic to have an example made from 1942 or whatever it might be, but it's old, you know it's it's, it's 80 odd years now it's it's been through a world war. Um, it's been worn, it's been, you know, we've probably worn it longer than the, the person originally wore it in, in the, the Second World War now. Um so for us, it's you know, reference books, it's 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 um literature, um, photography, all of that. Um that's that's really that's where the value lies. And um, you know, you don't have to be a reenactor um to you know to to have a love for history in that regard. You know, you can be a collector of uh, of, of history in other ways, and um, but and, and you know we, we rest on on that very largely in archives, you know, so national archives for instance, um, museum archives and what have you. Um, but and I think Gary will um, he, he won't say this, so I'm going to have to say this for Gary. Um, <laughs> we're very lucky. Um, well, I'm very lucky that my husband <laughs> is, is Gary Bainbridge, I think, because he's very well known in the hobby. Um. And he's he's very well liked, um, and he's known to be um, you know, not only a, a nice chappy but a very good reenactor and collector and living historian. Um, and that for us, for our business, um, has paid. It, it's, it's you know it's priceless. Um, you know we have people coming to us because of Gary, um, and uh, and then I'm I'm just tolerated. I think. <laughs>
3: Well, do you know what, Sophie, as you know, as we started this uh, podcast before it was recorded, I was actually warned by Richie, don't mess up because Gary is at the top of his game. Don't mess up with any facts because he'll pull you up on it.
0: I think you'll find I said Sophie and Gary there as well, Andy. So oh, you did, wow. you did say right. both. <laughs> both very I, say, I will say. Done it already,
3: <laughs> done it already.
1: I, I get the not. I get the the nudge from Gary, and then I have to I have to speak for for Gary normally.
0: <laughs> Just on the reputation thing there as well. I mean, when I uh, first started RAF reenacting, I think it was two thousand 16 properly, I think away from 70s post-war uniforms when I was a teenager. Um, <laughs> was sort of looking to do some research. And, and the first thing that a good friend said to me, if you're looking to start RF reenacting, was add this guy on Facebook and uh give him a message, you know. And obviously, of, of course it was Gary. Um and likewise, you know, buying my first vehicle had a, a huge help from from the from the both of you oh, there yes. as well. Yeah, so yeah, the, the yeah. reputation, yeah, reputation sort of um is is very well known. So obviously that goes yeah. out to help as well so i mean i guess the other side of things although the, the reputation's good i'd imagine there is always the inevitable um shall we say difficult person or obstructive person who will inevitably critique a new product that you've spent a lot of time researching you know because everybody's seen a picture with a, a a very unique type of product or a different way of wearing it so you know do you get much of that sort of inevitable difficult slash constructive criticism and, and how do you sort of deal with that as a um as a manufacturer when you you know you might have spent many months or even years sometimes developing a product
1: you want me to, want to okay. see here we go I, I told you Gary <laughs> nudges me and then I have to I sit in the background. <laughs> um yes uh, uh constructive criticism is uh, always always um well received and um um yeah, and, and invited, we we'd we'd love to hear um feedback, definitely. But yes, you you are absolutely right. There's <laughs> there's there's always there's always a few comments, um or you know, a lot of it's hearsay. So what, what we'll hear is yeah. uh you know uh, from from a, a good friend or uh, a, a reenactor um from another group or something like that. And they'll they'll drop us a message and say uh, by the way just thought you'd need, you'd want to know this um and uh, t- to be honest with you it's very it's few and far between and I, I don't sound big headed but i think as you said you know the the reputation of um that we've managed to 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 obtain for ourselves over the last few years you know what we've done um we've done yeah. well with with everything that we have done um so and a lot of the time what you hear now is um uh, when, when we launch a new product, so we've launched uh, some army jumpers recently, um, and that's, prob- that's probably a good good example. Um, there was a lot of people sort of saying, "Oh, is is this right?" And da, da, da. and you do obviously you, you get people asking their peers, uh, you know, in their group, uh, where do I go and what have you. Um, and a, a lot of the time, we we hear and get feedback of, "Oh, if it's if it's old time design, if it's Gary, um, you'll know that it's." it's a good job um, and um, and as I said before, you know, G- Gary does he really works hard in, in getting that right and as do I, you know, obviously I don't just uh, <laughs> do nothing but um, <laughs>
2: I think that one of the biggest troubles we've come against is that in the past there's been a lot of books and reference work that have been built on misconceptions really because the, the, the research wasn't out there um, so you and there's lots of re as well, which have come into place. And if you join a group that's been going, say, 15, 20 years, it actually, something that was done by three people 10 years ago can actually become, oh, this, this happened back then. And then yeah. before you know it, that's become history. So you, mm. you need to go back to the, the key sources, really. But um, we've had it a lot with the ration boxes that we do. The people, oh, it doesn't fit in the mess tin. Well, look at a picture from 1943. It didn't fit in the mess tin then either.
0: Yeah, exactly. It always seems to me like it's almost um, like you mentioned, somebody who's been around the hobby for a long time who maybe did five minutes worth of research back in 1987 is then, you know, um, educating an entire group based on that sort of quick flick through a book once upon a time versus probably the weeks and months of painstaking research that you've put in. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the
2: books that I had to hand when I I started learning, a lot of it wasn't, it's all you had. The internet wasn't there. Um, you're only basing it on what someone's put in that book. Uh, And even every day I'm learning new things. I think that's the thing. You you never can stop learning in this hobby. And um, unfortunately, some people don't want to learn and they'll just go, well, this is how we've always done it, so it's got to be correct.
3: Yeah, it's about triangulating the information.
2: Yeah. I mean, also, that's the other thing. Not just for for selling things. We're we're quite happy to answer questions. We have a lot of customers that will... Ask us about their overall appearance and impression. And we're always happy to lend a hand, really, because we've got a lot of experience and we'd rather help someone get it right than go away and get it wrong. Because if they were wearing our products, it's also good publicity if they look good, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> and uh, also because we enjoy, we love the hobby, we want to see people getting it right and we're more than happy to, to help people get it right. Because we've had a lot of people in the past help us, so it, it just rolls
0: along, doesn't it? Really. And what do you think the the future looks like for the for the military market? Do you think we'll see more reproduction companies, um, you know, appearing in in the future? Do you think there'll be a shift towards reproduction over original?
1: Yeah, I, I think over the last, well, since since I've been uh, involved in in the hobby, and uh, and I'm I've I've heard. Um, others who have been in, in the hobby far longer, um, you know, the, it's the typical not like it was in my day, um, and um, it, it is. It's very, very much the case. I mean, of course, you know, the, these items are eighty years old now, um, and as I said before, you know, we, we've we've worn them to death um, um, after they'd, they'd survived a world war and several other uh, occurrences in between, um, and collectibles and then reenacting, um, I think it's becoming more separated um, than it used to be and um, the, the the market for reproduction items is is in demand that you know there is a requirement because of course there's a growing interest um, for for attending events in whatever whatever level that you want it to, to go into um and um you know those those big companies that that have been around for a long time you know so you've got what price glory and soldier of fortune and they've been around for a long time and they, they sort of picked up on the the airsoft side of things um and i think it's a lot of um small businesses that have been around for you know for, for several decades or so and they've started to um, do what we what we did, you know, focused on something very good at it, and that now the demand is so great, um like uh, like us, we're able to expand into other things. So yeah, I think you know, ultimately the 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 actual market itself is uh, it's it's already changed, but it's it's in the next level as well.
0: I agree, and I think it's evident in some of the top quality reproduction items that that you see out there. Um, you see certain items and from some suppliers out there which we probably won't name but that holds the value very well and, and a second-hand version of a really good reproduction item can almost in some cases after a few years can actually go up in value and, and also be around the same price as an original i think which is really really testament to the you know, a quality reproduction item there was always a saying in when i first started reenacting that if you bought original you'll never lose money on it but i think that rule is almost beginning to apply to quality reproduction items as well
1: Yes, yeah. I, I mean, there's so many that, um, uh, well, Sefton uh, flying clothing, for instance. Uh, Steve Kittle, you know, his para helmets, um, they're, they're collectible in their own right. And um, you know, the uh, we've we've even heard um, we've heard that banded around um, rather nicely about, about our stuff um which uh you, you know you, you do want to say we're not retiring we <laughs> they, they are readily available <laughs> yeah. um you know brand new you can buy from us um but yeah you know that the, the, there are some uh manufacturers now that that don't exist you know they they or they did a limited run or whatever it might be and, and they're so in demand they they command more money than than they were initially sold for which is as you said, it's testament to some of the the amazing talent that that's in that's in the hobby yeah. um,
3: and uh what do you think is um next what sort of ne- what can we expect next from all uh, time design
2: we've recently um, we've moved in way, well, not moving away but moving into clothing as well and we've released a new label now called Bainbridge Clothes, which is for reproduction clothing so the headgear. Uh, obviously some people know we are working on denison smocks at the moment. Um, nearly a year into that project and it's still it's just about seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But again we are not going to rush it, it needs to be correct if we are going to sell it. Um, obviously I will mention Covid, It's put a big stop on a lot of our projects this year. But we have just moved forward in the things that we can move forward with. Um, but basically we just want to add more and more to our uniform range really. And, getting good quality stuff out there for, for the demand that's there, really. Um, but we're just taking it slowly and getting it right. And but Not forgetting our badges, really. They're our signature, and we're looking at moving forward with those. We've, got, we've upgraded the machinery twice already since we started the business, um, and we're actually looking at moving again soon to, with new technology that's available to us, uh, and also expanding on the embroidered side of things as well. Um, just, just taking each thing slowly and it
0: correct as we go along, really. It seems like there's a whole host of opportunities out there. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the insignia and, and some of those items, uh, the ration tins and whatnot, almost been from the outside seemed like a really, really cause to the business, but then this really new, exciting range of, uh, you know, the smocks, the, the recently introduced berets. It seems like, you know, every, every time you're introducing this sort of new leaf almost of the, uh, the old-time design tree, which is really, really exciting. And I think there's so many things out there. You mentioned um you know there's a lot of not many companies doing things like para helmets and battle dresses and there's, there's so many things out there that i am you know I'm, i'd imagine around your roadmap out there to to develop but it's a really really exciting future i think for the business and obviously there's the tailoring side of the business as well i think i've got about three jackets that i've uh you know mark to send off to you guys as well but you've got that side of the business too so a bit of a uh, a one-stop shop really for the reenactor
2: yeah I mean I'm quite happy to put the tailoring side obviously you put the fitting insignia it's nice that people can come and buy the insignia and basically I can put it on for them and some people don't know where it's meant to go so it's a lot easier than just sending it to a local tailor who hasn't got a clue um, they can come and buy the badges I can fit them to the jacket or so I'm quite happy to fit original badges for people or badges from other suppliers I'm not, not biased but um, it's, it's, it's nice to look at that project and actually it's nice to stand back and say actually this is going to go to the customer and they're going to open it and it's ready to wear but it looks nice and I've had a lot of good feedback really from that which is nice
3: yeah
1: and I I think you know just to to add to that the the idea is to improve the hobby Um, and um, if we can help someone sew a badge on or advise them I mean, you know, we, we get it a lot, particularly with these photo studies that that we do. You know, th- there's a lot of products um, uh, that aren't ours that are in uh, the, the photo studies, um, as well as uh, you know our, our original items. So they're not about as uh, saying, "Oh, by the way, uh, you can buy all of this from oldtimedesign.co.uk." Um, but you know, th- there's there'll be interest there and they'll say, oh, where, where do you get the leg bag from, for instance, or uh, the para helmet? And we're more than happy to say, well, actually, you know, we would really recommend this person or that store, or um, you know, wait out and, and get an original for someone your build and and, and what have you. So um, it's it's all about being able to hopefully not push people in in the right direction, but but guide them and, and help them um, as well. And, and I think that's probably because we're we are. You know, in the hobby, we have been in the hobby first. Um, you know, the business is secondary to, to to why we're involved in it.
2: I think also the the business is there's a different underworld hobby basically within the living history scene. Is the dealers actually and the manufacturers get very friendly and talk to each other and actually help each other, which is nice. Um, it's, it's it's a world that I've only really recently come into, but um, I know a lot of the dealers from a customer point of view. Now as a manufacturer, we're having different conversations and actually a lot of them are happy to share um, information with each other, which is nice. I think they're all after the same gain, is actually be able to supply a quality product to the to the world that they're in,
0: really. Definitely. Some really some really positive changes, there, I think, in the, in the dealer manufacturer world, for sure. And um, obviously, COVID's put a bit of a stop to uh, the hobby entirely this year, which is which has been sad, but what are you guys looking forward to next year, next season, and what are your thoughts for the the future of the hobby in general post COVID?
1: Well, I th- I think every as I said before, everyone's missed attending shows, and it, it is our hobby, isn't it? It's it's um mm-hmm. uh, the, the main has been the mainstay. Um, I mean, it's, everyone. I think by the end of about uh, around this time uh, in in a normal season, everyone's sick and tired of. <laughs> Camp, camp beds and tents and and travelling ridiculous uh, hours to in, to go into a muddy field, um, but it, it's like we've sort of not come out of hibernation, uh, and I think everyone's uh, really really keen to get to get to those those shows. Um, so I think as 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 hobbyists, you know, we'd like to uh, to to attend a few, not working, um, I think, just to to enjoy that um, yeah. next year and. Um, and then the plan this year was to actually not necessarily attend too many shows um purely because it, it was it was actually draining on other resources uh, our time mostly you know where we could we couldn't necessarily develop things as quickly as as we wanted um so um we'll probably stick with that you know we'll just have a, mm-hmm. a select few shows that that we trade at um fingers crossed that they happen um and um and then just continue to to push um, the The development of of the products um so um there's there's one I know that there's a big thing that people are missing and desperately wanting starting with battle and ending in dress um, <laughs> and uh, it, it is something i promise yeah. uh, I am looking into it's just that we, we we just desperately need the specs so if anyone's listening and you've got some specs specifications of exactly how a battle dress is made not 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 I don't anything other than the war office ones um then um please do get in touch
3: um... (laughs) Sophie I might be able to help you with that one actually
1: oh really here we go
3: yeah
1: (laughs) and this this Um, is what the hobby's about
3: (laughs) I think we need to talk later on (laughs) (laughs) this is what it's about it's great
1: yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, and, and that that for us is to um, you know to make sure people have got the, the right stuff to to attend these events. Um, but haven't I mean, you you guys, I mean, even this podcast is is just evidence of how the hobby's changed and adapted um, to yeah. to the circumstances of presented. You know, so there's been a lot more virtual events. We've done a lot of virtual events from museums. You know, doing first person accounts and um, rigging up. All sorts of things in, in our garden. We 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 had to pretend we it was Burma, didn't we? A um, so
2: few Zoom meetings that are reenactment based, and I think that's the other thing. People are not just missing the hobby; they're missing the actual social side of meeting your friends that you've not seen for maybe a year now. Uh, obviously, we go abroad to Holland um, most years, and we've missed that this year. And it's not necessarily just the hobby we've missed; it's actually the interaction and meeting up with old friends really, which is now starting to hit us. <laughs>
0: And uh, any any products, Andy, that you would uh, you'd like the guys to start working on?
3: You know what? Um, I'm still trying to get my British stuff together, so I've bought some. Yeah, you need to pull your fingers. I do, know, I know. And the berry's the next thing I need to buy. So get this old crown of mine measured up, and uh, I'll be passing the details over as soon as possible.
0: Well, Definitely. speaking of headwear, I, I think if I was to uh, if I was to sort. Of Cram some more ideas into the uh, the old time design yeah. brand that you're probably already working on. I think paper. there's a huge, <laughs> huge lack in the market for reproduction headwear on the British and American side of things. Um, less less helmet, more more caps. Um, I mean, British RAF headwear in particular, reproduction there just doesn't seem to be a single supplier that gets anywhere close, and probably the same on the US sort of side as well. So, um, en- enlisted man's hats on the on the US side seem to be particularly so I don't think, think anyone makes them that I'm, that I'm aware of. So yeah, I think uh, RF side caps, officers' caps, and same on the US side. I think uh, are severely lacking as well. So there's there's a few more ideas I think in the yeah. yeah, there well, you go, chaps. We,
1: we can we can tick one box for you.
0: Ooh. <laughs> we won't have to <laughs> so, give too much. You, I well, feel like there's lots of uh, lots of secrets coming out today.
1: Is uh, yeah. So uh, you guys are the first to hear. So this is unique wow. to your podcast. Um, Exclusive. It is. I didn't even think of putting this down in our notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's that exclusive. Even I forgot about it. Um, we are working on um, RF officers caps, peak caps. Um, and we have just finalised um, women's uh, WAF caps. Brilliant. So, yeah, So and they, they are made by um, the... Original manufacturer, or one of the original hatters. I'm like a Cheshire
0: cat over here. I wish you could see. You on the radio <laughs> podcast. You can't quite see that, but very exciting. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So that that is that is literally uh, in in the right in the middle of, of, of well, final stages now. So we've had two samples. We're looking at them actually, um, and um, we've uh, literally. I mean, it's. Uh, I feel sorry for the. I think that's the other thing because obviously we're not hatters, so we go to a hatter who knows what they're talking about and all of that. And they, you know, they, they've they've got these wonderful modern standards uh, and methods, and you know, and it's all established and it's you know it's lesson learned from 80 years ago and all of that. And we go, no, 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 we we want it this way, and they go, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: do it wrong, do it the yeah. old way. <laughs> so
1: we have to educate them in in. Uh, it's like with the denizens, We're like, no, we want random. We want as random as possible. <laughs> And they're like, really? Yes. Yeah, please, please do it as random as possible. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) yeah. So a lot. That's a lot of it is is having to convince them that it's it's a good idea um, Mm -hmm. to to do it uh, with the old idiosyncrasies, you know. But um, yeah, so you'll be pleased to hear that. American is, uh, yeah, a a different ballgame. But um, never say never. So there we go
0: excellent and uh just just really quickly before we finish up as well we were talking gary you mentioned a lot about your sort of i guess uh core impression or our favorite um pastime being the sort of british airborne impression it seems to me in the last sort of 18 to 24 months to have had this absolute explosion certainly mm-hmm. in, in in britain um just being the the sort of new Im- impression out there why, why do you think that is and do you think that'll carry on into next season mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I think it's always been there. To be fair, it's, everyone wants to be special forces, airborne, commando. Um, I'm not sure what the influence is really. Um, I don't. I can't honestly answer that one. So I've always been interested in it myself. So, uh.
1: I think there's a, a lot of it is is down to the availability of, of good kit, um, <laughs> and um, I think a lot of people who want to do it right. Um, are again you know i've mentioned that there's there's a bit of a change recently that's happened uh, I, I couldn't even pinpoint that the, the year or anything like that and i'm speculating now but you know collectors and reenactors it, there is more of a divide now um bet- between that and um there's there's people that just collect repro you know they're, d- they're, d- they're not bothered by buying original items and that's absolutely fine um and you know and vice versa and there's other people that don't like buying reproduction i'm not, I'm not a big fan of, of reproduction which is the ironic thing um <laughs> so um but i think as a as a female reenactor um there's very very limited it's very limiting as i'm sure uh, many of my counterparts will will agree um and i, I think that's that's where sometimes things don't happen uh, or portrayals don't happen because th- people don't feel comfortable wearing something that's Half okay, um, and I think the air, the airborne side they've always been you know sort of okay um, options that uh, again are a bit you know on, on the uh, the readily available you know sort of budget of, of say younger reenactors or you know, if you've got a big group as well that want to do something you've got to be be sure and um, you guys will know this you've got to accommodate for your um i say weakest member but
0: yeah begrudgingly <laughs> begrudgingly
1: <laughs> so uh, and and i think that that's it now and and you know a lot of people think oh well there's this or that option and that's it um, and which is that's why we've we've gone down the denson route you know that we we felt that there was uh, an opening um, there mm. that um or a gap that, that needed filling and um and you know steve Kittle has done something similar um, with mm. um the 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 painted uh, first pattern and you know we we've been in discussions with with him about that and as we said you know we 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 speak with him on a regular basis and vice versa and mm-hmm. um and Fair. encourage each other but yeah. i think that the that, that that's probably the main reason why there's a big uh, influx because it's you know things like the new berets are available um mm-hmm. you know um steve started to you know sort of kick kick back off doing helmets again because there was such mm-hmm. a demand and um, so um, so, yeah, so it, it it really it's sometimes very reactive um, you know with, with what we do um, yeah. you know if there is a demand there or a group says, well, we want to do this as a, you know, yeah. a, a new anniversary coming up. And I think that's the other thing. You know, there's been a lot of anniversaries recently.
2: I think what I've noticed in the British Airborne side is for many years, there's been a few key groups. Um, but then there's been a lot of individuals that will do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the uniformed groups are now getting slightly bigger. There's more actual focus to, to say do one unit really well like yourself doing King's First Cross Borders. For many years there was a few people doing that but I can't really remember a group before that just focused on doing that air landing unit. Um, a lot of people unfortunately think that the British Airborne Arnhem are Arnhem was all parachutists which obviously is a big misconception. Yes. Uh, I think it's nice now that people are Actually, doing the research and realizing that it wasn't just the the paratrooper, it wasn't the paratroopers' Barry; it's the airborne Barry back then, uh, and they're just they're as important as anybody else. And it's that nice that people are now realizing that and willing to basically portray something that's a little bit more interesting. To be fair,
0: yeah, a niche um, sh- less 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 Hollywood. Um, and on a on a on a lighter note as well, Andy and I have discussed on. Uh, from the previous episode, some of our book bears in the hobby, things that we look at and we just shriek with uh, with angst and uh, and disappointment. So, is there anything out there, just on a light hearted note, that you look at and think, "I wish people wouldn't do that"? Just things in the hobby that you wish would just go away. Yes, parachutists. Yes, parachutists.
2: <laughs> Paratrooper trousers being worn by everybody with a red berry. <laughs> they didn't like them back then, and they shouldn't wear them now. They should be used in the right context, but there was. The clues in the name really trousers, parachutists, not trousers. Everybody in the airborne, um, <laughs> it's actually cheaper to get a nice pair of standard battle dress trousers that you can wear for walking out. I mean, that's the other thing. Battle dress tra- parachutist trousers were a combat or training yes. item only that it was never worn for walking out. No. Um, most of it, I've luckily I've had the opportunity to speak to many of the island veterans, and most of them hated them because mm-hmm. obviously they've got chamois line pockets, you get wet. Wet for hours, a lot of them used to rip the linings out and all things, they didn't like them. But in the it scenes, everyone's got to have a pair now, which is good for Steve. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know, less is more sometimes. I think,
0: yeah, I've yeah. got two
1: things. I've Go got on, two on, Sophie, things, definitely. I've got, I, I can't stand these reproduction waff hats, they just upset me so so much, which is why yeah. we're rectifying. Um, and the other one yeah. is Gary's going to. Gary knows exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, it's uh, lanyards round the waist.
0: Oh. oh, yes.
1: It's it's just not practical <laughs> for a start. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just oh, and and people will people will be like, oh yeah, I know, I know that because every time I see one, I go, excuse me. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Can yeah. you
1: please take that I'm, off? <laughs>
0: I'm with you in the hats as well.
2: Lanyards or uh, fake babies in prams was the uh, old one that we don't like. <laughs> oh, Baskets. In-
0: inside, in- inside a children's <laughs> gas mask bag as well. <laughs> and a
2: <laughs> 75-year-old yeah. yeah. evacuee with
0: shorts on, yeah. Gary, have you, have you been to Pickering in the last couple of years? Is that where you might have spotted a few of these things there? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I'll to walk around with a blindfold on when I go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. Bear goggles. Yeah, bear
2: goggles are the yeah. best thing at Pickering.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You need a few of those. Brilliant. Well, it's uh, it's been fantastic speaking to you guys. Really, really enjoyed um, you know, hearing about how the how the brand's built up and some of the exciting plans for the future as well. Yeah, it's a yeah.
1: pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And uh, thanks for having us.
0: No, thank you. Oh, um, you got any any more plans for the week? Just busy working uh, on old time and Stanley Biggs.
1: Yes. Yeah. We've got. Uh, well, I'm 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 off tomorrow, aren't I? Um, oh. So like um, for the day. yeah. <laughs> A friend of ours is um, uh, very, very close to her due date. Um, she's having a, a, a baby within a, a week or so. So um, meeting up with with her and then um, and another friend before we all get locked down. And um, yeah, and then yeah, it's back back to it. Sorting out new products. Um, the photo study obviously will continue. Um, so. Any any new ideas for that? That's always great. As long as we've got it in the lot. <laughs> um, Check that out. Yeah, it's non-stop. It's always always busy. And Stanley mm-hmm. Biggs obviously is uh, another another business. So it's um, yes. yeah. So yeah, just yeah. The, the same amount of effort and time. So uh, not enough hours in the day.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And for anybody that um, you know wants to hasn't heard of all time, there uh, can't be many out there. But if uh, uh, for anybody out there well, we plug the websites obviously time design uh. co.uk and and obviously follow the guys on instagram facebook and twitter there's some really really good content on there which isn't just all about buying uh. buying products as well some really informative stuff on there as well which is just really really good if you're if you're into your history and uh. And reenacting as well and uh. stanleybigs.co.uk is, is the, the the website for Stanley Bigs, i believe
1: it is yeah it is uh. and um that's also you know we're also unavailable on available on Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter as well. Um, so, uh, and that's uh, a- again. I mean, that that was born from old time design. You know, that's that's down to us having yeah. so many ideas, and um, and and that's you know, sort of uh, sort of morphed from the well the clothing side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so uh, yeah. So if if you if you like old time design, you you probably enjoy Stanley Biggs as well. So. Absolutely,
0: yeah some great sort of vintage inspired uh, fashion pieces there so definitely if you're a uh, fabulous the hobby i'm sure you'll appreciate that as well yeah mm-hmm. great stuff well uh <laughs> thanks everybody for listening again um we'll put the links to the to the website in uh in, in the bio as well in the link in the description for everyone to see uh but now thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you soon gary and sophie thanks again take
1: care thank you very much